Welcome to the Finding a Job podcast, a Ben J. Schaap LLC production. In this podcast, we share the stories of world-class business leaders as they discuss their professional journeys, job search strategies, and tactics that have led them to career success. If you're looking to find a fulfilling, well-paying career path, this podcast will unearth the tools and tips you need to expedite your learning curve and avoid common roadblocks that face people entering the working world. Now here's the host of the Finding a Job podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the Finding a Job podcast. Today, we're going to reveal some of the practical job search tips and strategies you need to land a great first job. Joining us is Leslie Mittler, who is the co-host of the Finding a Job podcast and a career coach and the co-founder of Early Stage Careers, which is a service that helps college students bridge the gap between their education and their first job. And today, Leslie and I are going to talk about some of the things that you should not do when you're crafting your first resume. Okay, here's my conversation with Leslie Mittler, career coach and co-founder at Early Stage Careers. Leslie, happy Thursday. We're almost to the finish line. Welcome back to Resume Week on the Finding a Job podcast. Thank you. So, so far this week, we've talked a lot about the various things that you should be doing to get your resume in tip-top shape. First off, find a good template. Make sure that it's a match towards the job that you're applying to. Figure out what you're communicating. Try to tell your story in a way that puts weight on the things that matters the most. And then also when you're writing your resume bullets, be action-oriented and show the results. There are lots of things that you should be doing. There are also some things that you should not be doing when you write your resume. Today, we're going to focus on some of the don'ts. Leslie, what are the don'ts? What shouldn't you do when you're writing your first resume? Okay, well, let me start by saying that more than 75% of job applicants have resumes that have inaccurate information. I don't want to use the word lie because I think people sometimes just don't do the fact checking necessary to make sure their resumes are correct. But the areas that are most vulnerable to these inaccuracies are your job experience, your responsibilities, your education, and your dates of employment. Now, why are these important? Because all of this information on your resume will find its way onto the job application. And if you receive an offer of employment, that offer of employment is contingent on the verification of all the information that you've provided on your application. So if there are discrepancies, if there are things that are left out, if there are inconsistencies, those are all reasons why an employer can deny you employment. So it's really important, first and foremost, to make sure you're extremely accurate and make sure that the information that you present on your resume is the same information that you're presenting on your LinkedIn profile, particularly when it comes to dates. I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to get real close to the mic so everybody can hear me. Don't lie, okay? Because when you're lying on a resume, it's in print, right? That will be fact-checked. It will come back to bite you. And even if it's down the road in your career, it's just not worth doing. You want people to hire you for the experience you have. So when you get to the job, they understand what you're capable of and what you've done. It's not worth it. Don't lie. Leslie, what else are some things that you need to consider and what shouldn't you do when you're writing your resume? Okay. Your resume should be one page. You're a college student or a recent graduate, it's a one-page resume. There's no reason for a resume to be longer than that. Your font should not be smaller than a 10.5 
my personal preference is 11, but I can live with a 10.5. It should not be less than that. Your side margins should not be less than 0.6 or 0.7 of an inch. And same on the, the top and the bottom. Otherwise, you're cramming too much into your resume. And if you look at a resume that has too much information, the first thing that your eyes will do is that they'll look away from it because it's just too much to absorb. Getting back to that six to 10 second rule that we talked about earlier in the week. You should make sure that you don't use graphics, color, or fancy fonts. Those are really hard to read. Whenever I've gotten a resume that has had a fancy font on it, it actually makes your eyes really tired and it makes you want to stop reading it. The reason for graphics and color is if the resume is going through an applicant tracking system, it may get rejected because applicant tracking systems don't know how to absorb that information. You should never use first person. You never use I on your resume. And you should always make sure that your experience is in chronological order. A really good way to check that is, you know, when I do a resume and then I do a LinkedIn profile, if the LinkedIn organizes the experience differently than the resume is organized, that to me is an indication that maybe I have to go back and reorder chronologically the experiences on the resume. So that's a really good sort of check for you. One of the things that you mentioned, you know, a lot of what you're talking about is formatting. And what you shouldn't do is cram too much on the page, right? You you probably don't. I have 17 years of career experience. God, I feel old. And I have a one-page resume. I have enough experience where maybe I fudge the margins a little. Maybe it's a little less than what you said. And the fonts are relatively small. But I have 17 years of experience cramming onto one page, if you're in college, you probably don't have that much career experience or that much educational experience. There's plenty of space. If you're running into the problem of not being able to fit everything onto the page, you need to go back and edit your resume more. You need to consolidate your bullets or you just need to be more selective with your wording. What else outside of formatting? You mentioned what tense that you should use. Tell us some other do's and don'ts for putting your resume together. Do not put references on your resume. References will come later on. It takes up space and it doesn't belong on a resume. Even indicating that you will provide references doesn't belong on a resume. And my really, really big do not do is do not have an objective. If you have an objective on the resume, you're telling somebody that you probably used a resume from somebody who applied for a job 10 years ago. And objectives don't do anything to increase your marketability or your attractiveness to an employer. And today, because there are 800 different careers, it may be the case that you could be applying to more than one type of job given the skill set that you have. So never, 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 please don't use an objective. So Leslie, it's interesting. I have an objective on my resume, strategic, data-driven, and entrepreneurial omni-channel marketer with 15 plus years experience with technology-driven businesses looking for a leadership role and an innovative and fast-paced growth organization. The point of that is for me to be able to articulate who I am and why someone should hire me in one sentence. If you're early in your career, why don't you want an objective? Well, I think today, many, many employers, if not all employers, if their interest is peaked in somebody's resume, will immediately go to your LinkedIn profile. Now, the thing about your LinkedIn profile is that you have more real estate to give more information. And the very top of your LinkedIn profile will be a space for your summary where you can use that space to describe what you just described to us, but in the body of the LinkedIn profile. 
So what they're looking for on LinkedIn is to learn things about you that are not on your resume. So that summaries are things that are often read first by potential employers. Okay. So when you're early in your career, we're going to skip having an objective because people are going to find that information from LinkedIn. So Leslie, a couple of quick questions for you. When it comes to putting your resume, talk to me about rounding. If I got a 3.5, can I round up to a 4.0? If I got a 3.55, can I round up to a 3.6? What's the, what's the rule of thumb for rounding your GPA on a resume? So if it's a 3.55... Yes, you can round up to three six. If it's a three two two, no, you can't round up to three three, because every employer is going to ask you to submit a transcript, and so they have some tolerance for that gradation between point five and the next round number. But that's about it. So you should just know that everything that's on your resume that can be verified will be verified. So I just suggest being honest. The second decimal on your GPA you can use to round up or down if it is over five. Do not round up the first digit or the first decimal. Leslie, let's talk about where your work experience starts. Should you be putting your high school work experience on your college resume? I think when you're a freshman or maybe even freshman and sophomore and you have to do a resume, you're not going to have enough things to fill up a page without including some of the historical background from high school. But beyond sophomore year, you should have enough from your college experiences to have your resume primarily focus on what you did in college. However, if you did something incredible in high school, maybe you started a business, maybe you organized a huge fundraising event, maybe you did some incredible outward bound experience or Knowles. Or you're the point guard of a national championship high school basketball team. Exactly. Those sorts of things you can carry on to your college resume, but in general, what you did in high school, you did in high school to get you into college, unless there are things that you did in high school that you're continuing to do while you're in college. At the end of the day, what you want to do with your resume is accurately articulate the experiences you've had, weighting the ones that are most important and most relevant to the people that are going to be hiring you. You don't want to conflate those experiences. You don't want to make them sound fancier than they are. You don't want to lie. You don't want to change your GPA. And you want to make sure that it's formatted in a way that is easily digestible, that is shortened to the point, and follows a format which makes you look professional. Leslie, any last tips on some of the do's and don'ts for writing your resume? Sure. One thing that is also a bit of a pet peeve for me is when people use acronyms. You may know what that acronym means, but somebody else will have no idea. So try not to abbreviate, try not to use acronyms, or if you want to use an acronym, at least spell it out once and then put in parentheses the acronym that you're going to use so people understand what you're talking about. So Leslie, I'll be honest, I have some acronyms in my resume. I talk about marketing. I'm applying for marketing jobs. I use terms like CPA and CPM, which are ways that you can evaluate the effectiveness of a marketing campaign, cost per acquisition or cost per thousand, which is a CPM. I don't have the real estate to be able to use cost per thousand uh, every time that I use the acronym. Where's the line for what acronyms you can and can't use? I think if it's common industry terminology, if it's what you're going to see in a job description, if the person that you're going to be speaking with understands that that is the common industry terminology, that's great. It's sort of when you use acronyms where somebody is not familiar with it. For example, there's a program called National 
Outdoor Leadership, and it's abbreviated as NOLS, N-O-L-S. But unless you know of that program, if you see NOLS on a resume, it may not necessarily trigger, oh, I know what that is. So if it's something that's not commonly known, if it's not part of the industry vernacular, in that case, I would just spell it out so people have more of an idea what you're talking about. When in doubt, spell it out. And with that said, that wraps up this episode of the Finding a Job podcast. Thanks to Leslie Mittler, co-founder and career coach at Early Stage Careers for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Leslie, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send her a tweet at Early Stage Careers. That's the word early, STG Careers. Or you can visit her company's website, which is earlystagecareers.com. Just one link I want to tell you about in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to fajpod.com, which stands for findingajobpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes, the contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the Finding a Job podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We'd love to hear from you. So we created fajpod.com slash question where you can send us your topic suggestions or your job search questions, which we'll answer live on our show. You can always reach out to us on social media. Our handle is fajpod on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, pretty much everywhere. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a regular stream of job search tips in your podcast feed, we're going to publish episodes every day for the rest of the week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to keep networking and stay positive.